All right, are we ready for part two? All right, this one's going to be extremely different, uh, something I've never done before. But it's, it's a trip that, and I think this is our 12th or 13th retreat, and uh, they're titled Worship Retreats, but we never even went into, like, defining worship or took a topic of worship. Uh, but I'm going to talk about that just a little bit tonight. I don't really have a text as of yet um, <laughs> what I'm going to share with you guys tonight is a dream that I had my mother-in-law always told me that God dealt with me in dreams and uh, before then or up to that time I always kind of just chuck dreams off that you know maybe it's like the old people say oh it's just what you ate ate some collard greens or ate something and you had crazy dreams but um I've had some pretty dramatic dreams prophetic dreams in my life and uh I'm learning still not to just shrug them off but to search God for meaning what it means or or to keep an ear out for somebody to you know even approach me and let me know what some of the dreams meant this dream actually happened, I had to write the date down, it was July 10th, and I'm just going to read the description. I woke up, the dream actually happened in the early morning hours, and as soon as the dream kind of came to a close, I jumped up, and I said, I got to go to the computer, I got to type this out, and while I was typing what the dream was, almost simultaneously, I started to get the revelation of the dream. So, and I immediately thought of you guys. I don't know why, but I'm going to share it. The setting of the dream, and it, it was probably because this is where we're at in our life, was a second-story bathroom renovation, which we're actually in for our house. And it was the, nearing the end of the completion of a remodel. And we must have torn a wall down at the end of this process, which led to an uh, empty room next door to this bathroom that we were doing. But the room stood between the bathroom we were renovating and Zoe's bedroom. The walls in this room were not drywalled. You could still see the beams in the walls. You could see the back of the drywall to the adjoining rooms and the hallway through the beams, but there was none in this particular room that dressed the walls. There was nothing particular that dressed the walls of this room. This dream, it seemed to be a combination of every house that I've lived in in my entire life, from childhood up to now. There was a certain familiarity to it, even though it didn't look like anything or any of the places that I actually live, but it was familiar, just certain parts of the houses and apartments, townhouses that I've lived in in my life this dream had all of these rooms kind of joined together. The room was very nice. It was a big room, but it was still new. The carpet was new. And immediately in the dream, I called Peanut, and I made all kinds of suggestions as to what we could do with this room. I suggested extending the bathroom that was under construction in, so we could make it into even a bigger bathroom. 
Then I suggested maybe we extend Zoe's room into it and then we could switch rooms with her and we could take a bigger master suite. Then I suggested we make it an additional upstairs den and then I suggested we make it an office. Strangely, although I didn't re recognize this room until we tore this particular wall down, there was always an entrance into this room from the hallway. The door was there, it wasn't blocked, it wasn't sealed. The door to this room was always there. So we had to pass this door, but we just forgot that it was there. So we immediately started to go through the many things that we dropped off in this room over the years. Here are the items. An old cordless phone with its charger. I plugged the charger in and the light immediately turned green. It was already fully charged. Next, I saw lots of tapes of songs that I had recorded, along with an old tape player, which was already plugged in and powered on. I began to insert the tapes that I had recorded in the studio and listen to a lot of my own creations. The next thing I saw was a water softener extension that Peanut had bought to soften the shower water. You know those shower, you attach them to the shower heads, soften the water, but it looked brand new like it had never been used. And then the last thing that I saw was a few of Zoe's toys that she had had since she was a baby, which all looked new and unused. So I named another kid. I said, maybe we could give that to this kid or that kid. But Pina said, well, they're already too big for that. They can't, you know, we can't, they can't use these toys now. So as I'm, I'm typing the dream out, the interpretation came to me, and here it is. I believe that this room represents the room of worship in our lives. It is the room that when the house was purchased was designated as a prayer closet. The exposed beams speak of the apparent framework that God has established in our lives. The walls of this room were not beautified by drywall, paint, or wall decorations. This room exposed the foundation and framing of our makeup. Things could be seen for what they really are in this room. Instead of being a place of worship, it became a place of squandered dreams. The worship room was turned into a temporary storage area. It was turned into a place where we could hide things that potentially cluttered our preferred area of the house. Even though the room had obviously been visited countless times, none of us remember going there. We all forgot about the many deposits that we even made. We had been going into the room dropping junk off or what we considered junk, but we don't remember going there. I believe that this speaks to how mundane our worship experiences have become. The one room in the house that was designated for the transformation of our souls was visited often, but there was very little or no remembrance of having been there. Its purpose had been perverted and twisted. Our worship is so powerful that it is a place that is completely separate from the rest of the house. What scares me most is that I immediately, without pause, 
wanted to wipe this space out and make it some part of another room. I considered it wasted space. I so eagerly wanted to transform it into something that I wanted it to look like. The positioning of this room was in the middle of all the other rooms. The door to this room was passed up on a daily basis, no doubt many times daily. As we went from room to room, we just passed it up. And in order to get ready for the day, we all had to pass this forgotten room in order to get to the bathroom. Now the bathroom is a place of preparation. But it was as if this room did not exist. Now remember, our preparation is in vain when it is not preceded by a visit to the worship room. I believe the old cordless phone with the fully charged battery represents the power of our prayers. It speaks of our communication and connection with God. If we would simply plug in the charger, we would see that it had never lost its power. I believe that the old tapes with the ever ready tape player prompted me to remember the dreams that I once had for my life. The desires that I thought had died long ago were still there. Sometimes we, we let stuff go. God has put dreams in your heart, desires. And because it didn't work out in a specific time frame, you considered it dead. But this dream let me know that that desire is somewhere still, it's still in you. Don't act like it's dead. Don't act like you don't want it no more. God still wants to give you the desires of your heart. Playing these tapes gave me such a feeling of pride, belonging, and worth. To think that I could come up with something like this. And then even as the tapes played, more creative juices started to flow, what I could change and modernize. So I had never really lost it. You have to kind of understand my position that in a music industry, it's very hard to place a song, to get on an artist's album. You can have good music, but it seems like sometimes they don't want the good stuff. One thing that I can say about the music industry that it has taken a turn. Now they're on the back burner and everybody's got their own independent labels and selling stuff online and, and networking online and stuff. So there's been a shift. So you can't give up on your dreams because God can change the whole program around to where if somebody don't want what you got, the gift that you have, that he will, play, he will shift the whole thing around. I believe that the water softener, the attachment, speaks to the mercy and the grace of God that is made available to every saint. This mercy and grace is there to strip the water or the life experiences of its harsh ingredients, which have the potential of doing more harm over time than good. Any of you ever had bad water? You know not to leave your car out and let the sprinklers hit it. You may have noticed the calcium buildup on your towel and your shower, the glass. That's harmful stuff. It can eat through stuff. But I believe that this represented grace and mercy 
in our lives. Even though we must bathe in these circumstances, these experiences, these tests, these trials every day, God has sufficient grace to soften the blow because you're his own. This water softener is why we don't sorrow as those that have no hope. It's why we are pressed but not crushed or broken. It's why we're perplexed but haven't quit. It's why we're attacked but not God forsaken. We're knocked down but we're not counted out. I believe this is why we have real joy even with turmoil, joy unspeakable, peace that is beyond comprehension. Lastly, I believe that Zoe's old toys represented the many times that we've squandered our opportunities to share and bless some, someone else with something nice that we don't use. Those that we could have blessed had now outgrown the amenities. So stuff is just sitting there. You're not using it. You haven't given it to somebody else to use. The good news is that babies are still being born. We all know someone who is pregnant and close to delivering. So the, la the labor and delivery ward of life will forever be open, which will present plenty of opportunities for us to share and bless someone else with what we don't use. The summary of this is really all about God's keeping power. One thing that blew my mind is that all of these things in this room were kept so well that they looked new. There was no dust in this room at all. This affirms to me that it truly is the room of worship. It is the room where God dwells and where he is, time ceases. Nothing can become old in his presence. You dropped your stuff off with him and left it there but it hasn't aged because it's in his presence. Although we have ceased communication with him, although we have considered our dreams and aspirations dead, although we have chosen not to allow his mercy and grace to soften the blows of life, although we have squandered our chances to bless someone else, God has kept everything brand new. He is there waiting to finish what we brought to him long ago and forgot about. I may have had this dream because we were very close to completing our remodel that has been going on for nearly three years now. We're, and actually, we're on the last room. But what this dream tells me is that although I am nearing the completion of this remodel, I have the potential to neglect the remodel that God has been trying to construct in my life. Although this one room remained the same, it had the power and the potential to make me new. I've made everything around this room new, remodeled everything. But the one room that I've neglected is the one room that has the potential to give me a makeover, to give me a remodel. It is the room wherein lies the power for me to become the son of God. I must worship. There's a lot of words in the Bible that deal with worship and like evil, it goes way beyond what we could really share in the night. So 
I'm just kind of going to uh, summarize this a little bit about worship. In the Hebrew, the word abad means to serve. The corresponding noun means service or adoration. Histawa, another Hebrew word, means to prostrate oneself. The Hebrew terms that are used synonymously for this word worship are verbs that indicate some type of activity. You've got to do something. In the Greek, one of the most popular words used is proskuneo, and it depicts the posture of kissing the ground or a reverent act used mainly in reference to worship of a deity. This word demands a visible act and a concrete gesture of reverence to a visible deity. There's another word which, which is goni or gonapatoi, which means the bending of the knee. And it reflects a gesture of worship. From the Latin word of this word, we get the English word genuflect, meaning the bending of the knees or even full prostration. Anytime you read in the Bible where it says that and Jacob worshiped God and Abraham worshiped God and Noah worshiped God, they didn't stand up and lift their hands up. They prostrated themselves on the ground. They kneeled. They bent down. They fell on their face. In the New Testament, some fell at Peter's feet. They laid prostrate and started to worship him. And he said, don't worship me. You got to worship God. In Revelation, John fell at the feet of the angel that was showing him these things. The angel said, get up. You can't worship me. You can only worship God. Some of you may remember when I talked about Achan. After the Battle of Jericho, they went and fought at Ai and then wondered why they were losing the battle. First of all, God never told Joshua to go at Ai. But when Joshua realized his mistake, the Bible says that he fell down before the Ark of the Covenant. And I, I made the point that it's good that he didn't fall down in front of somebody else. But he made sure that he was actually at the presence of God before he fell down. We got to be careful what we bow down to. Now, you can also bow your heart to somebody and end up in idolatry. We have to watch who we reverence. We have to watch what we reverence. We had a song as a kid, You Make Me Weak at the Knees depicting somebody so deep in love that their knees buckle. Well, the buckling of the knee is a form of worship. Another Greek word, I can't even pronounce this one. It's L-A-T-R-U-O. It refers to the offering of sacrifice or service with no thought of reward. That means I'm not really coming to expect something from you, God. I'm simply coming to you because you're worthy to come to. The Old Testament uses this word in reference to the specific acts of service. The service of prayer and fasting, the service of work, and the specific service, ministries of the temple. 
Worship then is the dramatic celebration of God in his supreme worth in such a manner that his worthiness becomes the norm and the inspiration of human living. Defined in this way, worship is, does three things. Number one, it places God at the center because of his worthiness. Number two, it avoids the tyranny of subjectivism. In other words, God, we don't worship God because he's going to beat us over the head if we don't. He's not a tyrant. He's not somebody that, oh, you got to give me my just due. He is simply God. And as such, deserves to be worshipped. And number three, and most importantly, it allows for the reexamination of the self in the light of God's knowledge of you. From the beginning, Israel's worship is a response to Yahweh for the acts that he performed in its history. Israel's whole history is a life of coexistence with God. And this is how you have to see yourself, as coexisting with God. Not as merely his subject. Remember, it has to get rid of tyranny and subjectivism. We are his children. Not only that, but we are his bride. We are the apple of his eye. We are his workmanship. We are his ambassadors. We're workers together with him. But we always been taught about this big God who's going to knock you over the head. And yes, he does have consequences for sin and wrong actions and evil doings and transgression. But if we could get just who he is, that he is a God of, of number one, his main attribute is that he's love. And if we could worship him from that posture, a lot of this other stuff would just fall in line. The emphasis is on Yahweh as the initiator, but Israel responds. Now we are now the Israel of God. So the people address Yahweh in a personal way. And my whole thing since we started these meetings is that you get to know God personally. They used to always ask, do you, do you receive Christ as your personal savior? There's a lot in that saying. Because now it's just not formulated just by a doctrine. You, you need the doctrine, but you need a personal savior. Because it goes beyond the initial conversion of your salvation. You're going to need somebody to be there when you go through what you go through. Because I'm not going to go through what you go through. And as I need God to be there for me when I go through what I go through, you're going to need God to be there and personalize himself to you. The people address Yahweh in a personal way. They offer praise. They ask questions. They complain about suffering. And they converse with him about all the issues of life. This is true worship. 
this room that, that I had forgotten about was the place where I could go and converse with him about every issue of life. But I neglected it. I assumed that some man was going to teach me who you are, Lord. I assumed that some system, some auxiliary, some organization, it's their job to teach me who God is. When God says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, but they are they that testify of me. I could drive down the street blazing 75 miles an hour and just look straight ahead. Well, officer, I didn't see the sign that said 35. Just because you didn't, you didn't take the time to look to the side of the road and see where you're supposed to fall in line with the law. You're going to be held accountable for that. Everybody that's called to teach, to preach, the evangelist, the apostle, they're held accountable for what they teach, but you're also held accountable for what you thirst for, what you hunger after. Did you get in the word? Did you get in your, did you go to this room other than to drop something off and walk back out and then go sit in your comfortable den? Actually, this room was probably the most comfortable room in the house. And we spent all this money, all the effort that we spend to make everything else so comfortable and beautified when just the basic, this basic old room with just carpet, two by four beams, and old stuff, that's where God wanted to commune with you. But it was, it, it, it didn't appeal to your eye. It didn't appeal to your fashion quota. So you just kept the door closed. Visitors came by, they, they, that was the room they didn't see. So this conversation of worship is recorded throughout the scriptures binding Jewish history together in celebration of this relationship with the creator God. Not that you don't take time to worship, but I think that worship has become the thing that we do every now and again. And the religious part is what we do more often. But I think that God wants us to reverse that. Let worship be the thing that you do most often. Prostrating yourself before him. You know, that takes effort and time. But when things are bigger than yourself and you really don't know really what's going on, even if you don't give me all the details, Lord, just I need to have some wisdom in this situation. If the enemy is doing this, I need to know which way he's coming at me. Who is he using? What is he using? All of this can be disclosed in the worship room. He can disperse his thoughts into you when you enter into that private moment. 
And I think that getting counsel is good and we encourage one another is good, but there's nothing that can replace this room. And we wanna create this room into something else. We could turn it into an office. We could turn it into a den. I can enlarge my own room into God's space. And that's what Satan wanted to do. Enlarge his own self into God's territory. But I wanted to present that worship is so important. And it's tragic that we call ourselves the people of God and hardly ever do it. Actually, should feel bad when we define it. Because we'll get up and say, oh, the Bible says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. So any living creature can praise God. But only those that have relationship can worship God. But most of our time is all praise. And while praise is good and praise is necessary, worship is even more necessary. Because I'd rather be in the personal relationship part than to be with the crowd saying, yeah, yeah, go Jesus. Because there's a lot of mixtures in the crowd. But worship, the worship room is where we can be made whole, be made holy, be made right. And allow him to heal some stuff. The dreams that we say, oh, it didn't bother me, that it never happened. Yes, it does. And we can we get up and say, oh, you just need to get over it. But nobody gets over stuff that has that much of an influence on them like that. It takes God to minister to you. But like she said earlier, who's talking in your ear? I think that God's will for our life has been perverted because other people spoke into your life when God was the one that was supposed to speak into your life. And then we look for people to sanction what we do, who we enter relationship with, who we break off relationships with. When the bottom line is, wherever God leads you and what he tells you to do, you got to do it. In the Old Testament, the things that God led people to do, nobody else was doing it. Nobody did what Abraham did. Nobody did what Isaac did. Nobody did what Jacob did. If they had listened to popular opinion, where would we be today in the New Testament church when God was using their history to show us stuff? And even in his mistake, God waited for 20 years for Abraham, his mistake to die. God waited to almost the completion of this room because just when you thought, oh, this place is just the way I want it now. God reminds you, you've made this house over. There's a new house, but there's no new you. And the only way to get the new you is to go back to the room where all of this started. And I think that all of these retreats have come to this to where he says we talk about the times that we've had talked about what God has spoken but he's saying there's 
You're not complete yet. You're, you're excited because you're seeing some stuff transpire in your life. But go back to the worship and watch this next level. <laughs> 